Thank you so much for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or you're simply catching up on a message that you missed, we're so glad that you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you'll experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word Give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask if you will to stand out of respect for God's word. We're in Revelation chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 to 8. I will read the first verse. I'm asking you to follow along with Pastor Debbie in the verses back and forth. Hear the word of the Lord, Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I make everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Verse 6. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Verse 8. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening and all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Pastor Debbie. You can have a seat. Well, I am glad that you are here today. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I am. Truly, I am. That's not just a fill-in-the-blank kind of statement. I truly do look forward to these worship moments. My prayer for us as a church, as times go crazy and things are sideways, that we would all the more appreciate what we really have. We would appreciate the fact that we have this ability to worship together, encourage one another, lift one another up, support one another, love one another, see and value one another, because that is a need of all of us, is it not? It's the need of all of us. And if you're newer to KCC, and just for the first time, we are finishing a series on the second coming and the heaven, a great series. And let me just say this as we conclude that series this morning. There have been two reasons for this. Number one is that I truly wanted to inspire you. I wanted to encourage you. I wanted you to walk away knowing no matter how bad it gets, we have something to be really looking forward to. My prayer is that that occurs for each and every individual. The second reason why I've been motivated to share this with us today is that it's really important that we understand what the Bible says about this. Because we live in a day and age where people will listen to podcasts and, listen and read bloggers more than they will the Word of God. 
And they will hear things that are a little sideways and things that are truly not biblical and draw their decisions of what it means in the last days. So I really want us to understand what does the Bible say about these things? Is that okay, church? Now, if I were to entitle today's message, I would say, heaven, will there be a Starbucks? Now, that depends on whether you like Starbucks or not. But I'll hold on with that for just a moment. We've been, uh, we've been unfolding. First, Pastor Debbie talked about Jesus' own words of what it was going to look like in the last days out of Matthew chapter 24. We're seeing that with the Ukraine and Russia right now. We're not hearing of rumors of war. We are seeing war. Not only that, then we started looking at week two where I preached about you all are all homesick and you don't even know that you're homesick. Basically, all I was trying to talk about in that uh, sermon was is that you were created for something better than this. And then last week, Pastor Curtis talked about what the Bible says about hell and what we truly want you to understand that if, in fact, the vast majority of people do not believe in a hell, if you really use your brain and understand if there is no hell, then there is no Jesus. There is no sacrifice. There is no atonement. You don't need any of that if there is no hell. And God does not send anybody to hell. As Pastor Curtis said last week, you have to walk over Jesus to get there. Now, this week, we're going to finish up this series. Truly, few more thoughts of what it, he heaven is all about for us, sending us out hopefully inspired. But before I do that, let me back up and ask and answer the biggest question. Why did God create all this? Why did he create all of this? The universe, the earth, and all of us. Did God create this because he needed us? Did God create this because somehow he was lonely? The Bible gives us a clear answer to that question. That God is sufficient in and of himself. He doesn't need us. And he doesn't, um, it didn't make this out of necessity. God created the universe. And he created you and I for one reason. To enjoy us. And for us to enjoy him. That was the sole reason. That takes us to the second part of the, the, the challenge for many of you. When you sit here today saying, I can't talk about heaven because I struggle with this thing called pain and suffering and evil. Because if there is an all-loving God and he is all-powerful and all of these things happen and people like Putin go in and attack innocent countries, where is God in all of this? Good question. We aren't seeing uh, what he created the universe for. We're not seeing people enjoy God and we're not seeing God enjoy us. The opposite is actually true. The answer to that is also very simple in my mind. In order to, uh, for us to enjoy God, we have to choose to enjoy God. In order for us to love God, we have to choose to love God. We know from Scripture, way back in the very beginning, Adam and Eve chose not to love God. They chose rather to try to be like God. And in that moment, we were separated from God. And you and I are feeling the repercussion of that this very day. We're feeling that. But free will is worth it, is it not? Let me illustrate it this way. My son, who's 27 years sitting on my left, just had recent surgery several times on his foot. Glad he's in the service today. But when he was a young lad, about seven years old, we served in the Middle East and we would go to Dubai every year. It was a children's delight. They had the best shopping malls, the best water slides, the best beaches in all of the world. We loved attending and going there. One time while we were there, when he was such a young lad, we went to the, the Toys R Us. And you need to, something you need to know about me is that I love baseball. I always dreamed that when I have my son, he and I are going to do baseball inside and out. So when we was seven years old and we went to the Toys R Us, I went over to the baseball section and I got a baseball bat and I got a, a mitt and I got a ball. And I walked over to him with my big eyes and I handed it over to him. 
He looked up at me like I was from Mars. He walked away from my offer. And next thing I know, he's over grabbing a Spider-Man doll. In that moment, I had a choice I needed to make. Am I going to give him free will to choose what he wants? Or am I going to impose on him my desire for him? Well, obviously, I gave my son the choice to make what it is. That as he grew up and as he's become a young man, he, he and I have never really, um, what should I say, come together as it relates to baseball. I can take him to a Chicago Cubs game and he will always say yes, but in the middle of the game, all I see him is with his book reading something that I have no clue about. It is a great experience, I assure you. <laughs> but let me tell you this, I wouldn't want it any other way. Because of the free choice that I gave him, he opened up doors into my life that I would have never otherwise entered into. For he's a man of the arts. He loves to write. He's got his degree in writing. He loves to write stories. He loves to research. He loves to pod, he loves to write blogs. He loves to do movies. He loves to read. All of those things were a beautiful thing that enabled our relationship to be what I would have never thought it would have been. But that was because of free choice. That was a good end to free choice. You and I are living out as it relates to um, the relationship with God, a negative result of free choice, but free choice nonetheless is essential for all of us as we understand this. Now, going back, I just want you to know that's where we're at, and then Jesus came, and he actually was the one that bridged, the, the cross is the bridge that says now we can have a relationship with God. Understand that. So going back to my original question, will there be a Starbucks in heaven? Uh, what about baseball? What about symphonies? What about adventure? What about good food? I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared in advance for them. But the Spirit is making it known to all of us. What we realize is that we have glimpses of what heaven will be. Now the reason why I'm talking about heaven, if this is truly a reality, we need to truly have it for two reasons. Number one, it encourages us in our current situation. But number two, it truly enables us to understand where we're headed because our life is a mist. The older you get, the more you realize we're here today and gone tomorrow. We're in a race, are we not? We're in a race in such a way that we fix our eyes on the finish line. Anybody that's been in a race knows that if you look to the right and if you look to the left and if for sure if you look behind you, you won't finish that race too well. I've been a runner my entire life since I was 14 years old, but I have a confession. Even after running the marathon with my daughter this past fall, which I was truly humbled, and that is an understatement of all understatements, all of the races that I have run, uh, uh, hundreds of races I've run from when I was in junior high all the way to this day, my confession to you is this. I have never won, I've never had been awarded first prize in a race. I never had the thrill of being that person with my hands up and hitting the tape across my chest. But here's my thought. My thought clearly is this, that one day, God willing, I will live to 100 years old. And at 100 years old, I will be one of those people you will watch running the 100 meter dash. You've seen those videos? And as I run that 100 meter dash, I will be so old, I will be the only contestant in the race. So I will have no, con no competition. And when I cross that line right there and then hit the tape, that's the time that I say, Lord Jesus, take me home right here and now. You with me? And on a serious note, I do know that in the race called heaven, I will cross over. And it won't be the tape across my chest. It'll be the eyes of Jesus himself saying, well done, enter in to your reward. Amen? 
truly what it is. I'm from Indiana, and Indiana has a tombstone that reads this. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will, so you will prepare for death and follow me. An unknown passerby scratched an additional words. To follow you, I am not content till I know which you went. Anybody with me? Let me give you a couple of thoughts then today as we conclude our series about heaven that I believe are biblical that you may or may not know. The first point that I would say to you that after Jesus returns, my first point is this, we will rule with Jesus on the new earth. We will rule with Christ on the new earth. So somebody say, come Lord Jesus. Say it again, come Lord Jesus. Now we read Revelation chapter 21. If your Bibles are still open in verse one, it says again that in that day when Jesus comes back, there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth and the old earth and the old heaven will pass away. Many people believe that the earth as we know it, that that passage is saying it will be obliviated in a gazillion pieces and it will be no more and God will instantaneously create a new earth. That is not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying that the earth in that moment when Jesus comes back, the earth will be as it was always intended to be. In other words, you may or may not know this, but the Bible tells us, remember I'm taking you all the way back to what scripture says. The Bible says in Romans 8, 31, that the earth itself groans under this thing called the curse. In other words, as beautiful as the earth is, there's a lot of consequences we see all around on the planet itself as a result of us walking away from God. And it, the earth yearns for the day when it will be as it should be. So therefore, we see today famines and earthquakes and tsunamis and wildfires and all the rest. One day when Christ returns on the new earth, the earth will be as it once was in the Garden of Eden. That's good news. Now, the exciting thing about that, and sorry I get a little excited, is that we see that Christ will be the one that will rule this, Ephesians 1.10. He will be the one that will rule this, this moment. And Revelation 22.5 says, and this reign of the new earth and the new heaven, guess what? It will be forever and ever and ever. Daniel chapter 7 says that in that day, no one will be able to destroy this kingdom. This kingdom will last forever. And we clearly see that Christ will set up his kingdom. Now we know that kingdoms come and kingdoms go. We've seen it throughout the history of the world, have we not? We need to understand that this new heaven and this new earth, when Jesus comes back, it will last forever. Do you remember the message of Jesus when he was here on the earth? It was very clear. The kingdom has arrived. That was his message. The kingdom has arrived. Now that message put him to the cross because he said the kingdom has arrived, but not yet. Let me say that again. The kingdom has arrived, but not yet. What did he mean? Well, let me back up. In order to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. Secondly, in order to have a kingdom, you have to have people that will be in the kingdom. So what he was talking about, the kingdom has arrived. He was talking about the spiritual kingdom where we follow him and give him our hearts. And when we start to follow him, his kingdom now becomes a part of our lives. His spirit with our spirit and we start living out the principles of the kingdom. But yet it, we still have not seen the fulfillment of the kingdom, the physical kingdom. What we've been talking about over the last series is that when that occurs, when Jesus comes back the second time, that's when the full kingdom will be established. And 2 Timothy 2.12 2, said this. 2 Timothy 2.12 says this. And if you and I endure, we will rule and reign with him in that moment. 
forever. It won't come and go. It will be forever. That's pretty good news. Romans 8 verses 16 and 17 says not only that, but you and I will be co-heirs with Jesus. Are you an heir? Do you understand what inheritance is? For most of us, inheritance is I get some money from mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. I'm here to declare to you that this inheritance that the Bible talks about is greater than anything monetarily. Sure, right now we are co-heirs with Christ where we have direct access to the Father. That's good news, isn't it? We don't have to have somebody pray on our behalf. Because of Jesus, we can go directly to the Father. Can I get an amen, church? But not only that, when Jesus comes back, we inherit everything as it once was and as it should be. That will be for all of us who have faith in Jesus. Y'all remember the musical Annie? Great illustration in Annie. When she was uh, in the orphanage and she had nothing, but Mr. Warbuck took her and adopted her. Do you remember the story? And remember when she walked into Warbach's mansion and she looked all around and was amazed. This was a little redheaded girl who had nothing and then was adopted into the Warbuck um, family. And, she, and he said, everything you see is now yours. I'm here to declare to you it's greater than Annie. That for all those of us that follow Jesus Christ, we are kind of orphans. He adopts us in. When he comes back, he says, you see all of this, the new heaven and the new earth? It's for all of you. This is good news. If somebody say amen to that. I can hear you already saying, but wait a minute. What about those who have died before Jesus comes back? Because we have many loved ones that have gone, generations before us. Again, what does the Bible say? Clearly, Luke chapter 23 says this. Jesus was on the cross, right? The man said, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. What does Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. Theologians will argue, what is paradise? Is that literally the new heaven or is that kind of an intermediate heaven? I don't really know for sure whether it's one or the other. But what I will tell you is the most important part of that is this, is that he was with Jesus, whatever that is, whether it's an intermediate heaven or the new heaven, as we declare, scripture does not tell us, but he was with Jesus. Now, what does Paul say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So therefore, we see over and over scripture that people who have passed away, scripturally saying, are when they, this body gives way, they are with the Lord. Can I get an amen? What about infants? What about children that die? I get to ask that all the time. Well, again, you have to go to the Bible. The Bible's very clear. Number one, God is just, is he not? God is fair. God is loving. So God would not create somebody, allow them to pass away, and then not allow them to enter into heaven because they haven't even come to the age of accountability to be able to make such a decision. We know that even from, I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 12, when King David's infant son passes away. He weeps and he wails and he grieves, doesn't he? You remember the story? And he says clearly, and this is where we take it from scripture. He says to his son, I cannot, you cannot come to me, but I will one day go to you. We know where King David is at from scripture's reality. So we know that he was granted to be with his child. And when Jesus comes back, we realize from scripture, there are two judgments, my friends. Again, if you're newer to KCC, I'm only sharing with you what the word of God says. Is that okay? Not what society says, not what the current Kool-Aid uh, that people are drinking uh, for the culture, but what scripture says. The scripture is very clear. When Jesus comes back, there will be two judgments. The first judgment, Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Did you say yes to Jesus or did you say no to Jesus? That will be the decision of everybody. The second will be from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the judgment of works. 
for all of us who are believers, what we did while we were here. And there will be various rewards and responsibilities granted to us in the new heaven and the new earth as a result of what we did with Jesus in this time. Does that make sense to anybody? You need to know that. The key point for um, this first point is this. Our destiny is fulfilled once we are with Christ in eternity. Our destiny is fulfilled once we are with Christ in eternity. So Christ will return, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and we will reign with him forever, amen? Second thing I want you to realize, we will find pleasure in God's presence and will be full of activities. We will find pleasure in God's presence and will be full of activities. Somebody say, show me Lord. One more time, show me Lord. What you and I need to understand, Psalm 63 says this, the writer says, oh God, my God, you are my God. I earnestly seek for you. My body longs for you in the dry and weary land. I think of you through the watches of the night. I desire a relationship with you. Here's what will happen once the new earth and once we reign with him is this. Our longing is not necessarily for heaven. Our longing is for God. It's just that heaven is the place in which we celebrate our relationship with God. Important for us to understand that. And what will happen in that moment? Here's the coolest thing. Everything else will be secondary to being in the presence of our God. Everything will be secondary to that. Truly important for us to understand. You see, Moses in his, uh, Exodus chapter 33, he said, hey God, can I see your face? And he said, no, you cannot and live. Daniel in chapter 10, when the presence of God fell upon him, he fell as though he were dead. We know that Psalm 27 says, oh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's what you and I need to understand with this that is so critically important. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you've said yes to Jesus and you've surrendered your life to him and said, I want to follow you, whatever you want, then the Bible tells us that his Holy Spirit comes into your life and he is the seal, Ephesians chapter one, guaranteeing your salvation. What you need to understand, if that has in fact happened with you, somehow, someway, think through your life whenever that did occur. Maybe that hasn't happened to you, but if that has, Something has happened in that journey where you have sensed the presence of God. How many of you would say with a raised hand that in your journey with God, whether it's in a worship service, whether it's by yourself, whether it's reading, whether it's taking a walk, you have sensed the presence of God at one time or another. Anybody, raise your hand. The vast majority of you. Some of us have had greater experiences of the presence of God in our lives. Have we not? But here's my point. Regardless of how amazing that moment was where you sensed the presence of God, the Bible tells us in Corinthians 13 that now we see but a poor reflection. One day we'll see face to face. What I want you to realize is that whatever it is that you've experienced up to this point in your life, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's only a minuscule of what it will be like when we have a moment when we have a new heaven and a new earth and we see him face to face. In that moment, it will change everything for us. This is only a precursor of something way more amazing. Can I get an amen? Way more amazing. How will this experience happen with God? We know that John 4, 24 says God is spirit. But we have Jesus, the Emmanuel, God with us, who will then be with us on the new heaven and the new earth. Eden's, the Garden of Eden's greatest attraction was what? God's presence. The greatest tragedy at Eden was sin that separated us from God at that point forward. There are list after list after list of scriptures of this moment that God and man will live together. Lots of verses, and you can look at those on my notes on, on, on the KCC app or the website. Don't have time to go there. 
But I will tell you where we are now in Revelation 21, verse 3. What does he say? Again, he will live with them. God's home will be our home, and they will live with God. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, the amazing thing is that not only will we be home with God, is that we won't have to spend uh, lots of money on all the electricity for light because God is light. Therefore, we won't need to be illuminating anything there, but the presence of God will be sufficient for us in that time. Revelation 13, 6 says, There is a slanderer. His name is Satan. His desire is to, one thing, get you away from this perspective. Tell you that all you're going to do is be a spirit form, playing a harp, somehow sitting on a cloud. I'm here to declare to you that is so far from what the Bible says. Some people are so saying, well, I'd rather be in hell with something, having some fun with some people, being bored in heaven. I'm here to tell you that is even close to what the scripture says of this new heaven and this new earth. Can I get an amen? Not only do we have the presence of God, but then we are full of activities. Think about this. We will engage all of the wonders that we've ever wondered about and be able to engage them at that point. In other words, this may be new news to you, but you will be granted a new body. Like the body that you have now, you will be given a body that is no longer a slave to decay, no longer to this uh, issue of following and getting older and sickness. We will, have to, we will have no need for doctors. Can I get an amen? We will have no needs for medication. Can I get an amen? We will be as what we were intended to be in that moment. Isn't that good? Now, with that being said, what we need to understand is that we, our minds will also be renewed with these new bodies. And so think about that. Right now, the Bible tells us to renew our mind how often? Every day, right? But when our minds, doctors and scientists tell us that we only use a fraction of our brain, right? In the new heaven and the new earth, when we have the bodies as we should, without any of all of the curse and all of the sin, our minds will now be able to truly be used. That's a really good thing. I've been saying that about my brain for a long time. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Right? Not only that, when we talk about activities, you're not going to be a spirit. You've got new bodies. You're not just going to float on a cloud. You're going to be able, Isaiah 65 says, some of you all are going to be able to build some houses. Got any architects in the place? You'll be able to build some houses and live in them. Isaiah 65. We're going to be able, according to Psalm 104, make some music. Anybody want to make some music today? He tells us in Psalm 30 that our wailing will be turned into dancing. Now, you all may have seen, it kind of almost went viral at my daughter's wedding, but I did a father-daddy dance that kind of shook the world, I would tell you. And then Pastor Debbie still has a job after she had the audacity to show it to you on the next morning here in worship, praise the Lord. But I will say to you, as exciting as that, that dance was, I will tell you, it, it will pale in comparison to the dance that will go on in the presence of our Lord. Amen? So we see from John chapter 21 that there will be so many stories that are told that there aren't enough books to be able to hold them all. That's good news. And even in Luke chapter 6, 23, there will be laughter beyond laughter as Jesus jumped for joy. So I come back to, why not? Maybe not a Starbucks, but why not coffee? Why not music? I said two weeks ago, why not football and why not barbecue? Why not more games and why not amazing food? Why not amazing fellowship? Because truly, we will live the way we're supposed to live. So we can only speculate, but what it, let's use our imagination for what it will be because it will change. And so few of us think so seldom on this topic, we haven't even given it a thought. Now let me just say this. We do all of this in the presence of God, but catch this. We do this in the perfect realm of relationships. 
In other words, right now, relationship is a little struggle, is it not? We got cynicism and divisiveness and fighting and bickering about everything from marriages to our kids, to our community, to our churches, to our world, to wars. It is ongoing. We simply cannot do this dance together. But at the new heaven and the new earth, not only will we be fulfilled in the presence of God, full of activities, but we will be able to do relationship together with no longer having any animosity and hurt and pain and being cantankerous, as my grandma used to say, that will all be gone. Can I get an amen? Now, here's the amazing thing about that relationship. Jesus said, some of y'all don't like this, there will not be giving in a marriage in the new heaven and the new earth. That doesn't mean you won't know your spouse. But what it does mean is that you think about marriage as the most intimate of all relationships, the closest you could ever get to somebody here on the earth, emotionally and physically. And as amazing as that is, if it's actually done in a correct way, you need to understand what he was saying that in, in, in the new heaven and the new earth is that the reality is our relationships will be so far superior to even that that it will pale in comparison that we will be able to interact in such a way and it won't be driven by the physical. Did you hear what I just said? It'll be driven in such a way that we will truly be who we need to be. I don't know about you, but that is really worth something to look forward to. Amen, church? We will have the presence of God with lots of responsibilities, lots of responsibilities. Hebrews chapter 11 said that Moses gave up all the treasures of Egypt for a future reward. I remind you of Revelation chapter seven, where those who survived the tribulation said they were what? Rewarded for their service unto God, and they will serve him day and night in the new heaven and the new earth. Second Timothy chapter four, eight says, to those of you who remain faithful, you will be given a crown of righteousness in the Greek, the crown literally means responsibility. This is what we will give. And so whatever you do, do it all with all your heart, right? So the first point was clear, that Christ will return. We'll have a new heaven and a new earth where we will get to reign with Jesus forever. Then we will be fulfilled in his presence and that will make everything else secondary. But then we'll be get on with life doing things that we've never been able to do, doing it together in perfect relationship with one another. Does this sound a little bit too good to be true? But this is what scripture declares we have. Can I get an amen? Now we realize the key, the key point is this. Eternity will be full of activities in God's presence. So let me say this from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Do not become weary. Some of you are weary today. Do not become weary for doing what is right. For at a proper time, you will reap a harvest. All of what I just said. If you do not quit, do not become weary and give up on doing what is right. For you will reap a harvest. All that I just said, if you do not give up or quit. Can I get an amen? Let me give you my final point today with those two being said. And here's the best of all. We will understand our destiny finally is heaven. We will understand our destiny finally is heaven. Somebody say, let's go home. Now, don't do that immediately. Y'all get up and get out of here. But I'm talking about heaven. Let's go home. Here's what you need to understand when you understand your destiny is that Romans 8:18 says this. You're going through some challenging times right now. You're going through some difficulties right now. You've been going through some difficulties for a long time, maybe physically, maybe relationally, maybe financially. Maybe there's addictions, maybe there's depression, maybe there's all these things. Life is brutal. You don't have to live long enough not to know that life is brutal. Can I get an amen to that? The Bible tells us that when we see him face to face, 
Romans 8, 18, all that we're experiencing, once we know our destiny, it isn't even gonna be worth comparing to the moment. It will all be worth it in that moment. So don't give up. Don't become weary. Keep doing what is right because you will inherit this. This will be your harvest. Can somebody say amen? You were created for home. You were created for home. It gets even better than that. Can I keep going, church? Jesus said in Luke chapter six, when we start talking about our destiny, he says this, are you poor today? I got some good news for you. You're gonna be rich. He says to us, are you hungry today? You will be satisfied. Are your eyes swollen with tears today? Laughter will be yours. Are you persecuted today? You will leap for joy. Are you lonely today? You will be comforted. Are you depressed today? You will experience happiness. Are you tired and weary today? You will be alive and you will mount up as wings as eagles and you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. That's what Jesus is telling us about today. Can I get an amen? And I'm not finished there. There's still some good news. He says in Revelation 21, 4, he says, and this is the hand of God. Some of you have been weeping. Some of you have been crying. Some of you have wept. He says, when this day happens, Revelation 21, 4, the very hand of God, hear me out, the very hand of God will wipe away every one of our tears. Not just one, but every tear you have shed. It says he will wipe it away from our lives. Have you been weeping over your addiction, over your decisions, over your bad choices, over your attitude, over your struggles, over your relationships, whatever, your health issues? Why is this happening to me? If you have been weeping over these things, he gives us the assurance in Revelation 21, 4, that when we understand our destiny, he will personally wipe away those tears. And then he says he will wipe away what? All pain and all sorrow, it will be gone, finit, total, no moss. It will be finished. And he also says the lasting death itself will be no more. Where, sting, where death is your sting, it will be swallowed up into victory. He's saying that to us, why? So that we will not grow weary, that we will keep the fight. We will keep doing what is right, knowing that one day very soon, we truly will leap for joy. And how can he say this? He says in verse five, he says, I am making everything what? New, and I have the capacity and I have the ability to do that because I am Alpha, I am Omega. It all starts with me and it all stops with me. This is what I promise you. I have never broken a promise. I will never break a promise. I am faithful to the very end. So hold on to this truth, my friends, and never, ever grow weary. Can I get an amen? Never grow weary. Clearly, he says that to us. So, and as we understand this, here's what you need to know. Christians, followers of Jesus, death is not the end of an adventure. It is not, but it's a doorway, as those doors were opened shortly, to a brand new expanded adventure. It is an expanded new adventure. The best is yet to come. And a child of the 70s, I will repeat, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> you with me? You ain't seen nothing yet. I encourage you with these words. Life on earth is simply this moment where we are born and we are separated from God and we say yes to Jesus and all of a sudden we have this ability to get through life, hopefully victoriously, right? 
And then if Jesus doesn't come back, we feel this reality of the physical death that we all experience. But then if that occurs and Jesus doesn't come back, then we move to, we know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's powerful. But today, in the last few weeks, we're talking about what happens after all of that. When Jesus comes back, a new heaven and a new earth will be what it needs to be. Now, we will, at that moment, guess what? We will get to be ourselves. We truly can be ourselves. I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. You know, I have to socially drink because I'm just inhibited. It kind of allows me to be me. Frees me up and drops all the barriers. I'm just like, whew. I'm like, yeah. But one day when you see Jesus, you will truly be yourself. It will be as it was supposed to be and what it's intended to be. And he will give you, according to Psalm 37, you ready? The desires of your heart. What is the desires of your heart today? He will grant those to us. As Brent comes out, here's what I want you to realize. The Bible's very clear. We have a past, we have a present, and we have a future. The past is Genesis 1 and 2. God created things as they were. The present is Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, where we walked away from God. Jesus came, and he then enabled us to have a relationship with him. But we've been talking about the future, Revelation 21 and 22, when Jesus comes and makes everything the way that it should be. The key point is simply this. Let's keep our eyes fixed on the prize. It's Jesus. So let me repeat Galatians 6, 9. Are you with me, church? Do not become weary in doing what is right. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. All that I just said, if you do not quit, if you do not give up, I remind you of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And when they beat him and they tortured him for you and for me, he had all the authority to say, enough! And all the way to the cross he went. And I assure you, one thing is true about him. He did not quit. But many of you are weary today. There's a song, some lyrics, says the following. Some of you are weary traveler. You're beat down from the, from the sting that you're experiencing. You're beat down from the storms you have weathered. It feels like the road you're on just may go on forever and ever. I say to you, carry on. You keep on giving and giving, but every day the world just keeps taking and taking. Your heart is tired. It's on the edge of breaking. I say to you, carry on. Weary traveler, restless soul, you were never meant to walk this road alone. Ah, it'll all be worth it. So just hold on, just hold on. Weary traveler, you won't be weary very long. No more searching when heaven comes, healing all that hurts our heart. Jesus is calling someday soon. We're gonna make it home. Did you hear me over here? Someday soon, we're gonna make it home. Up there in the balcony, weary traveler, someday soon, we're gonna make it home. Did you hear me? Someday soon, we are going to make it home. I don't think you got it yet, right here. Someday soon, we will make it home. We will make it home. Someday soon, we will make it home. Anybody agree with that? 
with that being said, I remember a story that I've used a lot, but it's helping to close this series. When my grandfather was really sick, my mom went and moved in with him, and I lived in the plains of Indiana. And after the harvest came in, you could see on the flat Indiana from a long ways away. And I loved that old farmhouse. And there was a day when I was early on in ministry, and ministry can be really difficult at times. And in that moment, I remember driving from a distance, thinking, I'm going to be home really soon. And it was dark. And as I was driving close and close to that, to that moment, I looked, and there I saw the light was on in, the, in, the, in the, what they called the parlor. And I knew what was happening. My mama was in her robe, and she had some food for me. And I... I hadn't been really good in ministry, and I'd messed up pretty good. And yeah, in a matter of moments, I got more excited and excited as I was driving closer, and the house got bigger, and the light got brighter. And sure enough, when I got into the parking lot, or drive, and I walked in, and my mom greeted me as I knew she would. She welcomed me home. She didn't care what I'd said or what I didn't say. She didn't care whether I was successful or whether I screwed up. All she knew is I was her son, and I was home even if it was only going to be for 24 hours. We were going to have that moment together. And in that moment, I was no longer a pastor. In that moment, I was no longer a leader. In that moment, I didn't have any responsibility. In that moment, I was home with my mom. Does that make sense to anybody? Here's what I want you to understand. As amazing as that was, and it only lasted 24 hours, I want you to understand something very clearly here. The light is on. And, and symbolically speaking, we're on the road, flat road, and we can see it. And all over here is all of these things that are happening, trying to distract us, all the bad things. And the whole purpose of this series is keep your eyes on, on home, because you were created for that. And once you keep your eyes on that, guess what happens? You can handle all of this. You truly can be what you needed to be and how you're supposed to be. Can I get an amen? And the last thing that I would say to you is that when that occurs and there's a new heaven and a new earth, being a church of all the nations, I got to tell you this, there will be in every tribe and there will be every language and there will be every people group there that we will celebrate. Is that good news to anybody? So I say to you, can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see the Afghani? Can you see the Iraqi and the Sudanese? Can you see the Russian along with the Ukrainian side by side? Can you see the Uzbek next to the Chinese and the Japanese next to the Brazilian? Can you see the Honduran next to the Brit and the German next to the Nigerian? Can you see the Cuban next to the Korean? Can you see the Azerbaijani next to the Canadian? Can you see the Mexican next to the United States of America? That is the reality of what scripture declares to us, my friends. It's for all of us. Heavenward is our desire. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He or she is no fool who gives up all that she cannot keep, but to gain what she can or he can never lose. I fix my eyes on Jesus. What do you say? Here's what I want us to do. Understand our destiny. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would take this moment and you will use this in our lives for we surely have needed it. You will enable us to hear from you and your power would speak to us. Is there anybody here today with every head bowed and every eye closed that you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I know about Jesus. I know about church, but I don't understand surrender. I don't know what that means to follow him. But I want today to make sure that I have that right. The Bible says clearly that if you believe in your heart, 
that Jesus is Lord and that you surrender to him and ask him to forgive you, he will come in and change your life. It's that simple, he did all the work. Is there anybody here this morning that's never made that choice today and as you hear about heaven, you would say, I wanna make that my choice today. I wanna make my relationship with Jesus. Would you raise your hand if you've never made that? Many of you, most of you have, but there may be somebody either online, you might be online or somebody here that needs that. Would you raise your hand? I need to make that decision today. Amen. Second call, you're a believer, but you haven't been looking towards heaven. You've been overwhelmed with everything around you and you haven't had the perspective that you need. And you're asking now that God would grant you the perspective to truly be a man or a woman that has an eternal perspective that will change the way that we do business as the world goes crazy. If that's you today and you need that for that perspective adjustment and alignment, would you raise your hand? Anybody? Keep them up all over the place. Because it's a tough to have that perspective. Keep all those hands up. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would be with each and every individual that truly needs an alignment and truly understands what it means to follow you. And I pray right now that you would enable us to say yes to you step by step and moment by moment. We're grateful that you are in charge in a world that is so shakable, that you are unshakable. We hold on to you and we celebrate you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen.